0: Mind podcast. This week, I travel back in time to 1894, the booming young city of Chicago, the center of a national strike by the American Railway Union against all trains that used Pullman railcars, in other words, all the major railroads of the day, in a time when the nation basically ran on rail power. The man of the hour is Eugene Debs, the fiery leader of the Railroad Workers Union. Federal prosecutors obtained an injunction against the strike. He continued striking, and he and other union leaders were jailed for contempt of court. The resulting Supreme Court case, Inray Debs, affirmed his conviction, noting the broad authority that the U.S. federal government has to enforce federal law and protect the general welfare of the American people. The case has been cited by both sides in the ongoing litigation about the Texas abortion statute. While the Debs case is 127 years old this year, the issues it confronts in many ways are timeless, and understanding just what the Debs court addressed and did helps illuminate key aspects of our present-day debate about the role of government in American life. 1894 was the time before air cargo, or for that matter, airplanes, the interstate highway system, or for that matter, trucks. The rapidly growing American economy moved by train, and a stop in rail traffic basically meant a full stop for interstate sales and travel. Knowing this, the fiery Eugene Debs led the American Railway Union into a strike against the Pullman Company, the nation's leading manufacturer of rail cars, protesting a number of issues about Pullman's business practices with its employees. The administration of President Grover Cleveland could not tolerate the effect of this strike. Federal prosecutors went to court and obtained an injunction against the union, Debs, and other leaders requiring them to end the strike. But the strike continued. President Cleveland ordered the Army to intervene, keep the trains running. Over 30 people died in Chicago alone in the resulting rioting before the strike finally came to an end. In its aftermath, a federal court sentenced Debs to a prison term for violating its injunction. Defended by Clarence Darrow, the most famous lawyer in the United States at the time, Debs appealed his conviction and reached the Supreme Court in 1895. Unanimously, the court ruled for the United States. I will present its reasoning in a series of quotes from the opinion. While the court's language is definitely from another time, it is direct and it's to the point, and its accessible writing style helps highlight areas where, as noticed in the ongoing litigation about the Texas Heartbeat Act, The facts of the Pullman strike are remarkably similar to the facts that are relevant to the decision now before our Supreme Court about the abortion statute in Texas. By way of quick background, Article I of the Constitution lists several powers that Congress has. Among them are the powers to regulate interstate commerce and the power to create and operate a post office and post roads. The Supreme Court in Debs began by defining the issues before it with reference to those two express powers, stating, Two questions of importance are presented. First, are the relations of the general government to interstate commerce and the transportation of the mails such as authorized a direct interference to prevent a forcible obstruction thereof? Second, if authority exists, as authority in governmental affairs implies both power and duty, has a court of equity jurisdiction to issue an injunction in aid of the performance of such duty? Having identified the issues, the court then stated the basic legal principle that would guide its reasoning. We hold it to be an incontrovertible principle that the government of the United States may, by means of physical force, exercise through its official agents, execute on every foot of American soil the powers and functions that belong to it. This necessarily involves the power to command obedience to its laws, and hence the power to keep the peace to that extent. Before going further, recall that the novel feature of the Texas abortion statute is that it enlists private actors to enforce the provisions of that law. The Debs Court made two observations about the Pullman strike that are relevant to that feature of the Texas statute. The first related to court involvement in the activity of private actors, in that case Mr. Debs and the railway union, the court said. In a large proportion of the cases in respect to interstate commerce brought to this court, the question presented was of the validity of state legislation and its bearings upon interstate commerce, and the uniform course of decision has been to declare that it is not within the competency of a state to legislate in such a manner as to obstruct interstate commerce. If a state with its recognized powers of sovereignty is impotent to obstruct interstate commerce, can it be that any mere voluntary association of individuals within the limits of that state has a power which the state itself does not possess? Second, and also relevant to the current dispute, the Debs court considered whether it was adequate for the United States to wait until the strike was over to enforce its laws by then prosecuting Debs for violating federal laws about interference with the mail. Texas contends the provider is free to raise constitutionality as a defense to an action brought under the new law and then appeal it to the state system and potentially to the U.S. Supreme Court. On this point, the Debs court said, Doubtless, it is within the competency of Congress to prescribe by legislation that any interferences with these matters shall be offenses against the United States and prosecuted and punished by indictment in the proper courts. But is that the only remedy? Have the vast interests of the nation in interstate commerce and in the transportation of the mails no other protection than lies in the possible punishment of those who interfere with it? To ask the question is to answer it. Obviously, the court concluded the national interest justified an injunction, and waiting until the end of the strike was not adequate to protect its goal of a well-functioning mail system. From there, the Debs Court moved to yet another issue that arises in the ongoing dispute about the Texas abortion statute. A central question in the DOJ's lawsuit against Texas is whether the United States has standing, a sufficient legal interest in the matter, to separate it from the general public and thus allow it to initiate the case or controversy that the Constitution requires. In Debs, the Supreme Court made two observations about the standing of the United States to pursue an injunction against Debs. First, it noted the United States' unique property interest in the proper operation of the males, a quoted language from an older Supreme Court case, which said, "'The United States have unquestionably a property in the males. They are not mere common carriers, but a government performing a high official duty in holding and guarding its own property, as well as that of its citizens committed to its care,' For a very large portion of the letters and packages conveyed on this road, especially during the session of Congress, consists of communications to or from the officers of the executive departments or members of the legislature on public service or in relation to matters of public concern. We think that a carriage, whenever it is carrying the mail, is laden with the property of the United States within the true meaning of the compact and general obligation to enforce the laws. But the court also noted a broader interest, stating The obligations which it is under to promote the interest of all and to prevent the wrongdoing of one, resulting in injury to the general welfare, is often of itself sufficient to give it a standing in court, yet referring to the United States. The U.S. contends in the abortion litigation that Debs is a blueprint for what the federal courts can and should do with the challenges that it has brought to the abortion statute. Debs' case involved an injunction to prevent infringement on a subject that is constitutionally protected. Brought at the outset of a problem, rather than waiting for later resolution and another type of proceeding, and most importantly, it was brought against private actors, Debs and the labor union that he led. The state of Texas, in its Supreme Court briefing, has made two main counterarguments. First, in Debs, the Supreme Court noted that the U.S. had its own specific individual property interest in the mail and its effective operation. The United States does not have a property interest in a medical procedure, including the medical procedure of abortion. The United States counters that while Debs made this observation, it was careful to place it in context with the other observation that it made about standing, specifically stating, we do not care to place our decision upon this ground alone with reference to its observation about the property interest that the U.S. has in its males. At the end of the day, the point is ambiguous. The Supreme Court in Debs identified two particular reasons why the United States had standing in that case. Only one of them is really relevant to the present dispute about the abortion statute. The current Supreme Court, in its application of the Debs precedent, has to decide which of these is most important in the reasoning of Debs and in bringing it forward to apply it to the present situation. Second, notes Texas, in Debs, the court identified two expressly enumerated powers from Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution that defines the role of Congress, the federal government's ability to maintain a post office and post roads and to regulate interstate commerce. Article 1, Section 8 says nothing about any medical procedure, including abortion. Thus, reasons Texas, the foundation of Debs is on a more solid constitutional ground than the kind of injunctive relief that the United States is seeking. The United States counters that its case relies upon, quote, the supremacy of federal law and the traditional mechanism of judicial review, closing the quote, a phrase from its briefing, interests identified in the Constitution, just not in Article I, identified in the structure of Article Three about the judiciary and elsewhere in the Constitution where it discusses the fact that federal law is supreme in our federalist system. Here again, there is an ambiguity. Certainly, DEBs involved a structural issue about federal power. The Department of Justice's new lawsuit involves a structural issue as well. Their briefing is full of arguments about how the state and federal government should fit together on this issue and argues that the DOJ has the upper hand. The question though is whether all structural issues are equal, or more specifically, whether these structural issues are equal in terms of the federal court's power to issue an injunction. The truly challenging question is, If you believe there is an analogy between the Debs case and the present situation about the abortion statute, how far does it go? Does it mean that any issue presented to the federal courts that involves a structural dispute about the relations between the federal and state government as constitutional rights would justify a similar sort of court injunction? Texas argues there's a slippery slope. The United States says this sort of case just doesn't come along very often. Debs, this case, maybe a couple of others here and there. The state of Texas essentially is arguing that Debs is kind of a one-off, a specific situation arising out of an existential threat to the U.S. economy as it operated at the time involving a power specifically conferred on the federal government. Today I traveled back in time to the hard-fought Pullman strike in 1890s Chicago. That strike produced the Supreme Court case of N. re Debs, which has become central to the litigation about the new Texas abortion statute. If the current Supreme Court sees a compelling analogy to the case before it about that statute, the position of the challengers will be significantly strengthened. If not, the challengers will lose the benefit of one of the few high court precedents to confront an analogous situation. For upcoming episodes, I expect to have more interviews with other notable voices from around Texas and the country, and to continue discussing topics about our state and federal government's response to the new COVID pandemic, as well as the many issues arising in the courts about Texas's new anti-abortion statute, including the ongoing Supreme Court proceedings. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of the main directories, and if you like it, I encourage you to join other happy listeners and leave a kind five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon.